and pause this recording. I want to welcome you to our second uh, Coaches and Officials webinar for the sport of football for our spring season. As we were talking about before we started recording, this is a great way for us to stay connected with sports when there are none, which is sad, but uh, this has been a great way for all of us to kind of stay connected with officiating and with sports and interscholastic athletics as a whole. The purpose of today's webinar is actually to talk a little bit about our film process or evaluation process for the New Mexico Activities and New Mexico Officials Association. And with us today, we have one of our very trusty, uh, very relied upon evaluators, Abram Anaya. Abram is from Santa Fe and he's a former high school official who works division one football now. Um, he's been a great asset to us as, a, as an off-field high school official with regard to evaluation. Uh, he is very fast at getting them done. So when I need something done quickly because of a matter, I'm able to send them to him and I usually get a response back same day. So it's been great having Abram on our staff. I'm just going to give a very quick rundown about our film process with the NMAA and how that happens. And then Abram's going to do more of a deep dive into what he's looking for uh, when he receives the film. So one of the questions I get rather frequently from coaches is when we send in our clips, what happens? Um, I think that there's a perception that they go into a black hole never to be found again, and that is not the case. When we receive clips from coaches, either through huddle or other means, uh, we do send them to one of our evaluators to take a look at. Sometimes it's just clips, sometimes it might be an entire game, and uh, coaches will put sometimes comments within the, the context of huddle or they'll send an email that we include to our evaluator. We do have three individuals who we heavily rely upon for film evaluations. Abram is one of them. And then we have two other officials. One is a retired NCAA football and high school official. And then we have an NFL official who actually helps us as well. So we've got three very capable people who do that. They took, take a look at it and then they send us a commentary. And it'll talk about mechanics issues, rules issues, anything that they saw that could be a concern. At the same time, if a coach sends in what they feel is an incorrect call, the evaluator will take a look and explain to them why it either was or wasn't. So we do look at a lot of that. We never look at officials' judgment. We're only looking at mechanics and rules, misapplications, if that's the case. So once we get that, that commentary back from the evaluator, we take it and send it to the crew that was involved on the game, as well as that crew's assigner. So that way the assigner can use it for training and evaluation, as well as to help make determinations with regard for postseason assignments. So there is a lot involved with, with that film. In addition, we take that commentary and send it to the athletic director of the school that sent in the clip. If we have the coach's email address, we'll actually send it to that coach directly as well. A lot of times we don't get it with the huddles uh, clip, so we'll just send it into the AD and the AD is to pass that information on to the head coach. So that's really what happens from our standpoint, just so you understand the process. So at this time, I'd like to turn it over to Abram because he can tell you what he's looking for and what our other evaluators are kind of looking at as they go through the process. So Abram, thank you for taking time out of your afternoon to be with us. And uh, I'll turn it over completely to you. If you have questions during the course of this, please feel free to type them in the chat box and I'll 
um, I'll flag Abram somehow to let him know that there's a question and we can take those as we go. So if you look at the bottom of your screen, there is a chat area there and you can just type them into that area. So without further ado, Abram and Aya. Thank you, Dana. Uh, welcome everybody. Thank you. I really appreciate the honor of being here talking with you folks. I've been a member of the NMAA since uh, 2001 and like uh, most, uh, most of you know who I am, I just relish the opportunity to give back and this is the best way I can do it. I've been studying football uh, not only as a player but as a, an official for well over 20 years and uh, as uh, Dana had told you previously, I grew up in the New Mexico system. I came through the NMAA, worked at a high school ball for many, many years, uh, did some, lucky enough to do some state championships, and then I moved into the Division II uh, arena where I was a referee in the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference, and eventually I moved into Division One. and I got the opportunity to work for the Mountain West, and I've been working with the CFO West, which covers the Mountain West and the Big 12 since 2014. So, when I look at these film, I employ a lot of things that I've learned over the years. I've been to numerous conferences across the country with the Big Ten, uh, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the Mountain West, and the Conference USA. So we look at what I do when I start to put together the films is I want to see, is the official looking at his area responsibility? Are they looking where they're supposed to be looking? And if they see the foul and they judge in their judgment that it was not a foul or didn't rise to that level, then that is exactly that's judgment. And we don't, we, we don't really beat them up over that. And you need to understand from the official standpoint is the game is very fast. In high school, you have five officials looking at 22 players and they need to make a judgment as to whether or not it's a foul or not a foul, whether it rose to the level or didn't rise to the level within a fraction of a second because they can't dwell on it. If I see a holding on my tackle and I stare at that holding and I stay looking at that holding and the play goes by me, who knows what I'm going to miss? I don't have the extra eight set of eyes that I would in college or in the NFL to where they can see something else and I need to transition to it. So we take that into consideration. One of the biggest questions we get from the coaches is, did this rise to the level of a foul? And I'll give the coaches a lot of credit. A lot of the coaches really do understand the philosophies in which we officiate football. If the foul is far away from the play, did it have impact on the play? Was there an effect on the play? And if there is no effect, most coaches won't even bother sending that in because they know we're not going to officiate to that. Nobody wants to go to a football game and see 70 flags on the field. That just ruins the game for everybody, the players, the fans, the coaches, the parents. And nobody wants that. So they know we're going to call what needs to be called. And a lot of the coaches are really, really good about sending those in. Yes, there are some times where the officials, in their judgment, we would have liked to have seen a particular foul. And that's when we start to break down as to why the official did not call this particular foul. Maybe they just didn't see it. Maybe, like I said a second ago, they're caught up on another piece of action that just they didn't see quite the whole action that developed into the foul. And the last thing we want our officials to do is guess. And that's okay. 
the game moves very fast. These young athletes, they're getting bigger every single year. They're getting faster every single year. And sometimes with only five officials or four, we're going to miss things. And we get that. And we understand that. So what we try to do is use this platform as a way to train the officials to not only look in the area where they're supposed to be, their area of responsibility, but transition quickly from one section to another section so they can see the entirety of the play and officiate where they should be officiating. Now, for the officials that are on this conference call, one thing that I think we all need to understand is when we break down this film, yes, I may give you an incorrect call, but it is absolutely not a judgment on you as an official. It just means for this particular play, we would like to have seen you either not call this or it wasn't quite the foul that we thought. Conversely, to all the coaches out there, there's a lot of times when I get filmed from the coaches saying, I believe this is a foul. And if I disagree respectfully, I'll articulate as to why it did not rise to the level of foul, or maybe it's confused as to what the foul may be. With that said, when I take a look at the film, I take a long time on each and every single play, and I love to take break it down to mechanics of the officials on the field, where they're looking at the individual action of the player, so we get a real good gauge of what is a foul and what is not a foul, what we want called and what we don't want called. With that said, coaches, I ask you, when you send in a clip for that you have a specific foul that was either called on the field or not called on the field, please send me a simple narrative. It doesn't need to be anything extreme. Take a look at the action of the right guard. Take a look at the block from the free safety just so I know where to look. Because when I start breaking down these and some coaches will send me in, hey, I want you to take a look at play 38 and break down this particular play. And I'll spend a half an hour on it. And sometimes I won't find anything. And I think that frustrates the coach because I'm not addressing what they want me to address. And I want to address what you want me to address. If you send in a game, and I've done this a number of times where Dana will send me an entire game and say, coaches are asking that you do a full evaluation. I want you to understand doing a full evaluation on a game takes me anywhere from three to five hours because I take this very seriously and I love to break down and I literally break down every single play and look at it front, regular speed, slow speed, I front to back and I take it all the different aspects of the entire game. So that does take a while. If you have something specific that you want me to find or you want me to address, please note it. That way I can have an idea of clip whatever this particular action happened, or I believe this was a foul and was not called. At some point in time, I would love to see the NMAA transfer or transition to doing foul reports, just like we do at the college level, where every foul that's thrown or every flag that's thrown on the field, whether it's picked up or not, needs to be reported. If I were to get a foul report, and then I can go to every specific play, that's wonderful because then I can tell you exactly what the foul was called and then I can start to break down whether or not it was truly and honestly a foul. Now I understand that that's not gonna be feasible in all cases. Now in the bigger schools, so the 5A, 6A schools, I believe that should be something that could be addressed and maybe should be addressed in the near future as a possibility. I think it would help advance our training uh, quite a bit. So these are just things that I particularly wanted to express this morning to let the coaches know. If you want me to find something, please give me some kind of small synopsis. Tell your film crews, if there is a foul on the field, 
record the referee. Record the referee, that way I could see the referee's mechanics and just based off of what his signals are, usually I can break down exactly what the foul was. And in most times I can tell you exactly what the player was called on without actually knowing the number. Because in most cases it's pretty obvious. So with that, I wanna open it to both of the coaches and officials. Uh, ask me any question, anything that you, any, anything that you'd like to know about the process or what we're looking for or how we break down these films. Okay, Abram, first question. How important would film be for dead ball officiating between plays? So the dead ball officiating, I know in a lot of cases, uh, I get plays from the coaches saying, I want you to see the action or they, they say, there is no film for this particular action. Have your film crews continue to record just a little bit longer after the play because a lot of times we'll have a late hit and it's significantly late to where the film's cut off already and I have no idea what happened. Or they'll say a punch was thrown or this kid was hit way out of bounds or this when the player was getting up off the ground, he was shoved back to the ground and I just can't see these. So tell the film crews give me at least two or three seconds after the play. It's not gonna waste any extra film because it's all digital. It's not gonna waste any extra time uploading it. It's, it's all the exact same. And this is actually very valuable so I could see exactly what the officials are doing as soon as the play comes to an end. I wanna make sure that, we're, that we have appropriate dead ball officiating, that they just don't go into, okay, well, we, let's get ready for the next play. Let's start to our, mechanics after the end of every single play you should have a mechanic just like a pre-snap routine you should have a dead ball routine and we can address those and this is a great opportunity to teach in those situations thank you next question how do you evaluate targeting calls that were turned into you for review that's a great question so player safety is at the top of everybody's list. These young player athletes, like I said earlier, they're getting bigger, they're getting faster. We will always err on the side of safety. If it's a tweener, I will support it 100%. If it's a tweener on the field, like I said at the beginning of this, you guys are making that split second judgment on an impact that's very violent and very fast, throw the flag, you'll be supported. And I think the NMA will back me up on this one 100%. We don't want, we want to teach these athletes to lower that strike zone. We want to teach them not to lead with the crown of the helmet. We want to make sure we don't get any young person hurt. Last thing we want is to see an ambulance roll out onto that field. And I believe the coaches, I've seen, I've got a number of targeting plays sent from the coaches and I've never once had a coach tell me that the, that the, officials on the field completely blew this targeting. It should have never been called. What I usually get is, yes, this was a high hit. It was a bad hit. I don't believe it was targeting because he hit with the shoulder and it was shoulder to shoulder. And I usually respond back with, yeah, that was a super violent high hit. Please teach your athletes to lower that strike zone. Because if it is anywhere up here, we're going to support the official 100%. It's player safety. And I, I'm per, I can guarantee you Dana can agree with me on that one. Absolutely. And we, we do get a lot of those films in particular about targeting and 
you know, Abram's done a really good job explaining to a coach why or why not it, it might have been ruled in that way. Again, we aren't looking at uh, negating an official's judgment, but we want to be able to explain the rule to the coach if they're, you know, if maybe they're unclear because this is all part of the educational process. A um, couple more questions popping up. Next one is how many of your reviews are blindside blocks clarifications? Scott, how many do you think you get on those? I would say I get more blindside blocks than any of the targeting I guess you guarantee you that. Uh, holding probably we get the most of because holding is that one file that is so darn subjective. Even at my level, uh, you really have to gauge. And my, my boss always tells us, we're instructed, when you throw a flag for something like a blindside block or a holding, you're now setting the bar of where you're going to call that whole game. So if you're going to let the tugs, the slight tugs, the slight pulls go, you better let it go for the whole game. You better not call that in the late in the fourth quarter. If you're going to call those tugs, call them early, and now you're letting both coaches know that this is how the game's going to be officiated. So for the blindside block, I think what I've seen is a lot of the coaches are teaching their players how to avoid that foul. They're doing a great job of what's called the praise block, where they, just like a basketball, you just stand your position, some raise their hands up like this, so that they're just nothing more than a screen. So you're not attacking now, you're not delivering force, which makes it a foul. Or they're also teaching, put your hands out, put your hands out and block. Most of these athletes are so strong that they can extend their arms and you can literally decleat somebody with your arms fully extended and avoid being called a foul. Now in the college level, we're also seeing this too, but when they, the blindside blocks at this level are much more violent. So I'm really glad to see that we're getting this out. And again, don't overthink this. If you think it's a blindside block, I know a lot of things, a lot of times I get the coaches will get, send me in a clip saying this wasn't a blindside block, the guy saw it coming. You'll have the, the person being blocked, he's focused here. The blindside block's coming in from the side, from the perpendicular. And right before the hip is delivered, you'll see the head move slightly and you'll see a dip in the shoulder, which means now technically that player did see it coming and he's now protected himself to some degree. That's still a pretty blindside block. If you can't fully defend yourself and you're just split second reaction and you're getting wiped out, that's what this that's what the intent of this foul is to prevent that. So tell your players, if you're going to come in from the side, you're just as effective two hands fully extended out as you were going shoulder to shoulder with somebody. And so there's just no need for it anymore. And this is somewhat of a follow-up to the previous question. So in addition to what you've already said, what other feedback might you give to both coaches and officials relative to blindside blocks? Again, coaches, teach your kids. The praise block is the one we're seeing most at the college level where they're teaching them just basically like uh, most all of y'all play basketball at some point and you have the screen as long as it's not a moving screen. Even in football, you can do a moving screen. It's not a foul. If you're just shielding somebody off, you got your hands up here, you got your hands across your chest, as long as you're not delivering that blow into them and you're just basically in the way. That is legal. That is legal, and we can allow that. And those are the things I'd look at to see if this if force was delivered, if this guy deliberately went into him with the shoulder or with an elbow or the helmet, and which now becomes a, a different foul. And teach them, extend those arms up. Extend those arms, get those arms out all the way. 
Yeah, and I understand. If I see the kid, you'll have to say you have a smaller player blocking a larger player, and he gets those extends and his arms get folded back into him. I can still say, hey, you know what? This kid, he tried his best to not deliver a block with his shoulder because he's got those arms out. He just wasn't strong enough to absorb the impact. So we use a lot of common sense when we evaluate these films and take a look at what's foul or what's not a foul. And I know, you know, one of the things I've noticed because I look at all the evaluations that come in from you and the other two evaluators, it's very interesting for those of you who are on this webinar to look through some of those because it's not just looking at rules, it's looking at mechanics, it's looking at why in a, on a four-person crew it might have just been an impossibility to catch certain things during the game, especially bodies in motion with not very many eyes looking at a particular area. Um, you know, one of the things I know all three evaluators will do is they'll, if there's a question about a rule in particular, they'll always cite where in the rule book it can be found, and that way there's something to refer back to as coaches to be able to explain to your players where that infraction can be can be discovered because a lot of times it's just misunderstanding of a rule or possibly just not knowing and that's again this is interscholastic athletics and we always want to make sure that we're using this as an educational component um you know ahead, Dana, if i could yeah absolutely. if i could elaborate on that is uh a lot of times we'll get those really tough calls. We get them in the college level with the eight of us on the field where it's just a foul happens at the most inopportune time and space where you just don't have anybody with a good set of eyes on it. So if you ever get a, uh, a score from me that's called a no call or NC miss, yes, that means, yeah, there was a no call. It's something that we should have called, but the miss means we understand why you didn't see it. And at this, with only four, especially with only four, these are going to be tough to see. They're going to be near impossible. So for no fault of anybody, it, the call was not called. And I want the coaches to understand that we're trying our best to see all of that. And someday, maybe uh, New Mexico will move to the seven-man official, just like Texas does in Colorado. Uh, maybe it's just at the higher level. Maybe I went the 5A and 6A level, especially when we get into uh, tournament play at the end of the season because then you'll see a whole lot more, especially downfield. And that, yeah, that's a great point, because one of the things I know in the evaluations all of our evaluators will do is if it's a, a mechanics issue where it's just a hole in coverage, the evaluators will always say that, as well as if it's a, if it's a place where you could have adjusted your position as an official, they'll let you know that as well, because while we want to educate coaches and players, we also want to make sure our officials are, are continuing to learn. A couple more questions have popped up, Abram. Uh, first of all, going back to the blindside blocks. Um, so if the arms are extended and it still decletes him, should we call it? Well, this goes back to see the whole play. And every official at every level since uh, from Pop Warner all the way to the NFL, they always teach you to see the whole play before you throw a foul. That way you know it is truly and honestly a foul. I would like to see if you come out, if you come in and you got your hands fully extended by NHFS rules, it's easy for me to say, you, that is no longer a foul, right? You, you're, you're legal. So force is not an issue at that point. If you got that arm fully extended and it may look really violent because 
a lot of cases, if you've got a guy running full steam this way and that blindside block comes 90 degrees, he doesn't see him at all. It takes very little force to topple him, right? Because he's completely off balance. His focus is elsewhere. So if you just add a little bit of pop in your hands, it's going to look pretty violent and the guy's going to go flying on his face. Now, is that a foul? By rule, no. So please see it all the way through. Now, if it's one of those tweeners where maybe the arms aren't fully extended and you see that shoulder dip into him, I will support anything that is player safety. And I've had, uh, Dana, you, you've supported me as a number of times where they've been that tweener, but I've said, you know what, I can absolutely see why the official threw it. And I think the official's judgment is spot on for player safety purposes. We need to teach them either in that particular situation, do the screen block, the praise block, or get those arms fully extended. So to answer the question, I know that's a long way to answer a simple question. If they get those arms fully extended, the amount of force delivered does not necessarily create the foul. Great. Uh, next question, can you talk about roughing the passer evaluation process? Roughing, okay, so like I mentioned at the beginning of this, uh, when I was in Division Two, I was a referee, and now that I'm in Division One, I'm a center judge, so the passer is technically my responsibility, so I've done a lot of study on the roughing the passer. In the cases with roughing the passer, we, they're always told, protect the quarterback. This is usually the best athlete on the field. And the coaches, all coaches, I don't care what level they are, they want to protect this player because you lose the quarterback. That's usually it for the team, for the game, and sometimes for the season. So with that said, we need to really have a good common sense approach to this. If you have a violent blow on the quarterback that's unnecessary, I will support you always 100%. Low hits on the quarterback, I will always support you 100% because we do not want that person hurt. Now it gets a little weird when you say, okay, I got a running quarterback, he's scrambling out and mid stride throws the pass and gets, gets banged up while he does that. Has he put himself in that jeopardy? Yes, he has. So we'll, we'll gauge that just a little bit different, but protect the quarterbacks. Uh, stay focused on the quarterbacks. I know for referees, especially in the four-man realm, it's easy to take your eyes off the quarterback and I've done it, and then I've been dinged on it. You don't know. Give that quarterback, he releases the ball. If he's anywhere, anywhere in the vicinity of him, keep your eyes on him for a second or two. Just make sure nobody gets a cheap shot in there. And I'll support you. I'll support you 100% if you're protecting this guy. If the quarterback's scrambling, he's out by the sideline, and that next step is taking him out of bounds, you can see he's obviously given up. No need to hit him. No need to touch him. Uh, so protect him. So I'm going to put Dusty on the spot here. Dusty, in working with the sport of football as the director and working with the football sports specific committee, what are some um, maybe commonalities as far as concerns for coaches that could be addressed through the film evaluation process and training and education to officials? I know that's very broad, but I'm sure you, you hear a lot of questions and I may can hone in on a couple. Yeah, you know, I think one of the the major questions I get on a yearly basis is the consistency of free blocking zone enforcement. And, it, you know, some, some officials, depending upon the area, seem to look at it differently. And that that 
honestly, probably more than anything else, those are the calls that I get. And there, there may be some frustration that one area of the state looks at it this way, another area looks at it another way. Um, so, so yeah, I think that, Abram, I don't know if you have anything you want to mention with regards to the free blocking zone. Yeah, good point. We do get a lot of questions about that free blocking zone. And again, that one is also very judgment because it's very fast. If you have a team that's in a shotgun, basically that free blocking zone disintegrates at the snap. So whatever hits or whatever blocks that are going to happen need to happen almost instantaneously with the snap. In other words, the second the ball's being released from the center's hand, the front linemen, yeah, they can cut, but they got to cut immediately. And what we've seen in some cases is where the linemen will stand up, take one step back, and then cut down. That obviously is a foul in high school regulation. So Again, player safety, when we get to our teams, when we get to most all the officials from the certain regions know the teams of the areas that they're in, I would implore you guys, get out there during this fall ball. Hopefully there's some fall ball. So during these practices, take a look at these teams. I do it for St. Mike's. I do it for Santa Fe High. I do it for Capital. Um, as you can tell, I just love football. I just love being on the field. And I'll go out there, and if I see something that's being coached or something that's just a little off like that, say something. And tell the coach, look, we want to prevent you from having this issue in the regular season. We're going to call player safety a little tighter. So if you're teaching your kids to stand straight up and then cut down, you've now lost the time element. Now it's a foul. Stop doing that. If you want to teach your kid right off the snap to dive forward and take the players, the defender's legs out, okay, now it's legal. So get out there and help the coaches. You know, this is preventive officiating just well ahead of the game. And you'd be surprised. The coaches are actually very receptive to this kind of stuff because they don't want to be flagged for it. And most coaches, and this is at all levels, if you don't call it, they're going to keep doing it. A lot of coaches will tell their players, especially like holding this particular crew, will allow holding. Now, I know that it's a little different for the realm that I'm at, but in my realm, they actually scout the officials as much as they scout the other team. And they know the crews that call holding. They know the crews that they can get away with a little more pulling and a little more tugging. And they also know the crews that are going to call it tight. And they actually will coach their kids to do that, to adjust their play to the officiating crew. So get out there, talk to your coaches, talk to the players as you see them during these practices and tell them, hey, that's you're right on the cusp and we're going to call it this year and have them back off it a little bit. Sorry about Abram. that. Abram, this is Ken. Um, I was in that coaches and athletic director meeting with Dusty and uh, this is going to hurt a little bit, but they were really uh, stressing communication and attitude. Um, they would rather us get calls wrong and communicate constantly throughout the game with no attitude. And, uh, and they, they'll give us some of those calls if we would just continue to communicate and show up without a chip on our shoulder. Mm -hmm. And I know it hurts because I'm an official. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of throwing all of us under a bus. But I'm just being honest. This was a couple of their chief complaints. Can you touch base about an, you know, communication and attitude? Ken, great point. Thank you for bringing that up. One thing we always stress at all the levels is communication. Talk to these coaches. Most of the time, they're very, very reasonable people. I get 
they're very spirited people. Most coaches are type A personalities and they can get really excited during the heat of the moment in the game. Don't take that personal. Because they're excited, because their voice elevates, their volume goes up, does not mean they're attacking you. Now, when they attack you and they start making personal comments or threats or whatever, that's completely different. But if the voice cuts high because there's just the emotion of the game, we need to realize that. And we need to take that into consideration. And we as officials should never, ever rise to that level. We're there to maintain the calm. We're there to maintain the order of the game. So when they come to you and they have a question, if you can answer the question, answer the question. Don't make anything up. Please do not. And I get a lot of film when the coach sends in a tape and he'll say, take a look at this particular play. The official told me this. He explained why he threw the foul because of this. And sometimes what they said is absolutely nothing, not even remotely close to what actually happened. So don't make anything up. If there's a foul on the other side of the field, you tell the coach, I will find out for you. And if you tell the coach that, please find out for him. One of the biggest gripes I used to get when I was a referee in the Rocky Mountain from the other, from the coaches was, I talked to your wing guy and I asked for a clarification on what the other guy saw. And he said, I'll get back to you. I never saw him for the rest of the game. So if you tell somebody at the next stop, of course, you're not going to stop the game to go get an answer, but at the next stoppage, go get an answer, relay it to the coach. Now, this modern age of O2Os where most of us had the communication, you can easily go on the mic and ask, hey, back judge, what did you see on that DPI? Why, why did it rise to the foul that you called? And they'll give you an answer that you relate to the coach. And the coach sometimes will accept it, sometimes it won't. Never argue the point. Never argue judgment because you'll never win. Tell the coach, coach, this is what I saw. And that's all you can say. And when the coach says, well, I disagree with you, I said, well, we need to continue with the game. And that's it. And most coaches, they'll continue with the game. If they're a really good coach, they want to win this game, which means they do not have the time and energy to sit there focused on you. They got to read address all their energies and focus back onto the next play that they're going to call on that field. So they'll do that. Uh, attitude. Ken, uh, you hit it on the head. One of the quickest ways to get yourself in trouble as an official is to walk out in that field just with an attitude like you are it. Trust me, we've all heard this a hundred times. Nobody, and absolutely nobody, went to that stadium to watch us, the the officials. The parents didn't show up for the officials. The kids didn't show up for the officials. The players, the coaches, TV's not there to film us. Nobody wants to see us. So if we can remain as out of the game as we can, success. Well, some of the best games I've ever worked where they said, man, we didn't even realize you guys were on the field. Awesome. That's the greatest compliment you could have given me. So go out there. Be friendly. Be cordial. There's no reason to have any kind of an attitude towards these folks. They're not your adversary. To the, to the contrary, most coaches are used to being 100% in control of everything. When you get to my level, these guys are making millions of dollars to control that team. They control everything to when the players eat, sleep, what time they go to school, their classes, what time they're on the field, what time they shower. Every, every aspect of their life is controlled by that one singular person. Now, when they get to the game site, they now release that, all that control to the officials. And sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow. 
And it, it is. I get it. We understand that we have now taken all that control, that field, that game is now ours to control. So we need to respect that. You know, we need to respect that the coaches give us that much authority over their student athletes. So don't, don't act like you're entitled. Don't act like you are the end all be all because we're not, we're just there to facilitate the game. Nothing else. Great question, Ken. Now, Abram, when I go to a game, I am there to watch the officials, just so you know, I'm, I'm the fan for the officials. Uh, <laughs> just, just had to throw that in there. So you can't say no one if I'm at the game. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so there was a question that went back to a point from a while ago. What about cutting and rolling at the snap in that situation? That's a good question. So rolling, rolling is a cut block of a different nature. So once the ball leaves that free blocking zone, if it's a, if we have a shotgun snap and right off the snap, you're going into the defender's feet and your first action is a roll. Okay, there's that time element where it was immediate. There was no hesitation. We're okay. Now, if that first initial cut block goes into, say, the nose tackle, and then he decides to roll across over to the defensive. Now we've now we've created a foul for an illegal low block. So it's all about timing. See, this is for all the umpires that might listen to this. This is see the whole action. I mean, when you see that offensive player go to the ground, we need to take a look at. We need to start thinking. Okay, did he go to the ground immediately? Did he go to the ground in his zone? What's his intent? And follow him for a second. Make sure he's not kicking up his legs to do the leg whip, which is very prevalent at the college level. So take a look at those things. That should be a red flag when you see him go down. But watch the whole action to make sure you know what you're throwing the flag on. Because that rolling, yeah, that rolling can hurt somebody just as bad as anything else. You get a great big, uh, you know, your typical guard, which is 250 pounds, and he rolls into your legs sideways. He's going to rip that knee up. So that is a foul. Okay. Um, I don't see any other questions in the chat room. Um, does anybody have any? Oh, sideline area and get back coach. Brad, what was your, do you have a question for that? If so, just unmute it yourself. It goes back to the communication, but the, the question, hey, Abram, it's good to see you. Um, the question is that especially when we're down in the 25 and in mm -hmm. and and if a, a interception happens or a fumble happens and all of a sudden we're having to beat feet if we're on the wings beat feet back and we're running into coaches because they're being overly aggressive oftentimes on the field I and mean, you can see it in video oftentimes that they're actually on the field at the snap mm -hmm. how do we address that to the coaches to, to make sure this is the emphasis, even if we've thrown two or three flags and, and not become adversarial in this situation. You know, that is a great point. You know, football is a game of emotion. Would you, like you say, you're down to 25 and you're about to punch it in and that defense picks off that play. Oh my goodness. Every player on that defensive side of the field just went completely ballistic because they made the play of the year. And especially if they're running them back, it's a huge momentum change. Emotion's going to go nuts. Players are going to want to get crowd the field. Coaches are typically sometimes on the field. If you can, 
get them back. Be wary of the time and situation that you're in. Now, if you're trying to just do your job and officiate and you literally cannot get through the sea of players, and I've been there, and you're running into coaches and players, and you have to drop a flag for sideline interference, you got to do what you got to do. That's Now, get you're talking about the get-back coach. The get-back coach is probably your best friend. Pre-game, talk to the get-back coach, identify this person. At my level, it's always the strength trainer. It's always the biggest guy in the field, you know, so he's easy to find. And tell him, during the game, please restrain the players. I know it's exciting. I know there's a lot of emotion. Please restrain the head coach. He's usually the worst one. All you head coaches out there, I apologize for that comment, but you know it's true. And the head coach is the first one. He's going to get really excited. He's going to want to get on that field and just cheer his team on. It's not malicious. They're just excited, and they're just cheering that player on, trying to get some of their own energy into that player. And we all get it. We've all played football. We all understand. So just understand that, A, it is emotion. If we can scoot around them without any kind of interference or it's not causing, that's when we can do a simple talk to and say, hey, please, come on. Next time I'm going to have to flag you. And that's what we want. We want people, we want the officials to have that kind of sense to the coach. And I'll tell you what, you do that one time to a head coach where you literally have to run around him because he say he's at the ticks, so he's on a yard on the field, which is, of course, a foul. And then you, at the end of the play, you go to him, look, coach, last thing you want to do is bring back that play by me running into you. I know you're excited. Stay off my field. You'd be surprised how far that's going to go with that coach, and he's going to be Typically, they're going to be your best friend for the rest of the game. And they remember. They remember that kind of stuff, thinking, that, man, that official, he could have dinged me. He could have charged me. He could have caused my team 15 yards. But instead, he understands the game. So talk to the get-back coach. Have him work with your sideline all game long. If they start to crowd, which they will, every, every team does this and at all levels, have him pull them back. Have him pull back that head coach. Uh, have him pull back some of the assistants, usually the defensive coordinator. He's a pretty excitable guy, too. And uh, just keep just keep that white clean for you. Last thing I want is an official to get hurt. I, you guys, our job's tough enough. Last thing you do is trip up on somebody else and tear a knee. I saw somebody try and chimed in about the three-in-one rule. Did I see that? There's a – could you talk about the all-but-one principle? Okay. The all but one. That's all in the college level. It's called the three and one. So this is the hallmark of where we want to officiate from as far as our penalty enforcements. So you have the penalty that's committed by the team in possession of the ball in advance of the ball. A penalty that's committed by the team in possession of the ball behind the end of the basic spot. And then you have the defensive committing a foul. So what you really need to do is take a look at the rule book. And without, without a specific, I'm not sure exactly what they want me to explain about this rule. So if you have a foul that's in advance of the dead ball spot, you look at, take a look at what kind of play it was. And the all and the three and one will determine where the foul is enforced from. Is it forced from the end of the run specifically? Is it in previous spot? If the foul is behind, the end of the related run it's typically enforced from the spot of the foul if it's committed by the defense whether it be in advance or behind it's usually added to the end of the related run now of course it depends on the foul itself some fouls are specific to if they have the specific enforcement written in the rule then the three and one doesn't apply 
and most of the time then it becomes a spot foul. So I, I know that was very vague and unless I have a for instance, I really can't, uh, I can't really guess to what they want me to, what you want me to explain, but I hope I gave you kind of a simple Cliff Notes version of it. Uh, Mike, Mike Tashay, I'm going to unmute you, um, maybe. Did, did that clear that up for you? Well, what I was looking for is we have some games where a coach is confused by a holding penalty behind the line of scrimmage, and he goes, why aren't we going back to the previous spot? And, 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 and that's where the confusion comes in, you know, and, and – we have some crew members that don't understand it either. And so I was just trying to get a very quick, clear, concise explanation. And I know it's kind of a, a kind of a tough question to answer. And I apologize for that, Abram. So that, that was my idea of the question. No, no problem. So that one is specific. If it's actually in the rule that there's three by one, if that one, the holding is enforced from the spot of the foul. Now, in different different leagues and different arenas, it's all enforced differently. And a lot of people watch NFL football. A lot of people watch college football. And the rules are slightly different. So you take that into consideration that a lot of these coaches might be asking about, and I get that quite a bit when I get the comments from the coaches on specific film, is how come this wasn't enforced from here? And then I have to explain, in the college game, yes, that is a previous spot enforcement. In the high school game, it is a spot foul. So we talked about communication with the coaches. That is a great opportunity for the coach wants to know, hey, how come that foul wasn't enforced from the previous spot? By rule so-and-so, that foul is enforced from the spot of the foul, which is behind the line of the scrimmage, not previous spot as it would be in the college level or in the, in the NFL level. And that's a good, that's a good point. You brought up another really good point, communication within the crew. Talk to your crew. And I understand at the high school level, we don't, we're not blessed with the same crew. Some areas are where you have an assigned crew where you know the same five guys or the same four guys every week in, week out. So you're all on the same page, especially if you're traveling together. You can talk about rules. When you do your pregame, uh, this is for all the referees out there, and you've got four new guys in front of you that you've worked maybe one or two games don't be afraid to start talking about stuff like this, penalty enforcement, mechanics, and just give them the basics. I'm not talking about delving into a two-hour pregame. I'm talking just simple, what are you guys looking at this play? If we have a foul for here, uh, most common one is intentional grounding. If, the, if there's action on the quarterback and he's in the pocket and is threatened, all referees, we're going to stay on that quarterback. We are not going to have a clue. Well, we shouldn't have a clue of where the ball went. We don't know if it crossed the line of scrimmage. We don't know if there was an eligible receiver in the area. So that's where we want our crew to come in and feed us this information so we can piece together what actually transpired. We can put down a late flag. So get with your crews in those pregame meetings. Uh, let them know what your expectations are, let them know what their expectations of you are, and you guys just discuss whose responsibility is for what, and maybe questions like this will come up. If this is a foul, when it's a foul, where it's a foul, and more most importantly, how are you gonna enforce this? Last comment I'm gonna have to that is, if you have four guys on that field, you got five guys on that field, it is incumbent upon all of you to get the enforcement right. Always have a rules guy. 
every crew has a rules guy. That rules guy should be paramount. If he sees the crew about to make something, make a mistake, step up, be a crew saver. You know, I've had misenforcements where come to me where coaches are saying, I just believe they completely got this wrong. And I'll look at it and go, yeah, they got this completely wrong. There's absolutely no excuse for that. Somebody on that crew needs to know. All right, Abram, I'm going to unmute uh, Dennis here. He's got a he's got a lengthy question, so I'll let him ask it. All right, thanks, Dana. Uh, thanks, Abram. So this is more a philosophy question, and I know in your film evaluation, you look at rules, mechanics, um, can't really throw in the judgment of the official, but as far as, for example, line of scrimmage, his key is the tackle, and you have the head coach there. Tackles lined up in the backfield. He's in the backfield. You have, you know, it's a penalty. Um, you know, we're always taught to uh, prevent, uh, preventive officiate. You know, the rule of three: talk to the player, get the player back. Mm -hmm. talk, talk to the coach. Coach, I need you to help me get him back, especially if it's on the other side of the field is is the offending coach uh, or the offending team. So um, then you want to go ahead and flag that illegal formation but you want um can you talk a little bit about that philosophy and and if you get a film from the coach saying this official or this crew just will not enforce this illegal formation until the second quarter you know and um you know they took advantage of it in the first quarter and you know scored two touchdowns on us because of it you know whatever the scenario is but if you could talk a little bit about that i'm, I'm very happy that you brought up philosophy. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, that was one of the things that I forgot to mention earlier about when we took a take a look at these films and we start to uh, discuss or take a look at whether or not it's a foul. And yes, the rule book is black and white. The rule book tells you a holding is this specific action. Now, is it always a foul? No, it's not because we officiate by philosophy. And I touched to this on the very beginning and I'm very pleased with coaches that they understand, they know what's a foul and what's not a foul. They know what rises to that level of a foul and what doesn't. They know that if it doesn't have significant impact on the play, that we're not going to call it. And there are certain things that we employ. So to your point right there, Dennis, uh, you have this tackle that keeps lining up just he's right he's that tweener he's just to the point where it could be called a foul or we could make him correct we want to make him correct but we don't want to allow him the whole game so by the second quarter you've told this guy three or four times tell the coach that tell the coach look i've warned him three times next one's a foul usually most all the times, the coach is going to be screaming at this kid to line up. And then when you finally dump that flag because he's done it for the fourth time, <clears throat> he's going to give this kid the business instead of you. And that's what we want. So some coaches, and for all the coaches, if there's any coaches on this particular webinar, they can help me out here. Some coaches don't like us to coach up their kids. They want us to tell them specifically what the foul or whatever minor infraction that player may or may not be doing. And that's fine. And that's their wish. And we, I totally understand that. I totally respect that. Some coaches don't mind us going to the player and saying, hey, look, your hands are starting to get outside the frame of the body. If you, if you turn those shoulders, I'm going to call it a foul, especially if it's at the point of attack. And they want that. 
and they appreciate that as much more than opposed to a flag. Other coaches I've seen will get really upset. Are you coaching my kid? Why are you talking to my kid? You talk to me if you have an issue with his play. So talk to your coaches, uh, referees, when you have your pregame meeting with the coaches. Get their opinion on that. When you meet with them in the fall ball where they're still doing practices, ask them. Ask them what they like. Ask them what they want. Do you want us to coach up your kids and make them legal? Most of them are going to say yes. But take your wide receiver, how your wide receiver, most all wide receivers will look over at the sideline official and say, am I on or am I good? Or they'll tell you, I'm off. And you tell them, okay, take a step back or you give them the thumbs up. So that's the same philosophy. If you have that tackle that's creeping back, get on your O2O or just yell at your umpire move 76 up to the line, have him take a step up. He's, he's, he's uh, going to get flagged next time. And I note that. Tell the coach that you gave him the warning and tell the coach that you're going to flag him. And usually those are not the ones the coach sends in because they got nothing to say. They, the, the officials told him three times to fix it. And now at some point we got to do it. Now I know what you're saying. The team, the offended team, their coach is going to say, hey, how come you didn't call right off the first time? And I always tell that coach, you'd want me to do the same for your player. And usually, most every single coach goes, you're right. All right, Abram, we usually keep these two about an hour. So does anybody have one final question that they'd like to, to ask Abram or Dusty? Do you have anything for Abram as we, as we wrap up? Uh, I'll yield to the group first to see if there's another question. Then, then I'll mention something else. Okay. I'm not sure if it's a question. I think it's more of a comment. I just wish that we could get the coaches and the officials into the same room to have these frank conversations and make it mandatory because if we have these conversations early on, it helps with the whole season and, and we get to see faces before we even interact with them on that first time on the field. That's Brad, a, that that's is a, a great point. <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect segue to what I was actually going to bring up. So. Um, as Ken mentioned, coaches are very interested in communication with officials. And I think the, the best way to start that is exactly what you said. Get everyone in the same room together. Go over, um, you know, situations, mechanics, rules, talk, have a, um, you know, a calm conversation instead of them being on the sideline when they're heated and coaching their kids. The plan was to start doing that this year in the sport of football. Uh, we were hosting rules clinics for various sports, kind of an every other year basis in person, regionally around the state. This year, football was supposed to do that. Obviously, with everything going on uh, with the coronavirus pandemic, that that's now changed. So that'll be back to an online format. But completely agree, as soon as we do get back to some normalcy, we definitely want to get coaches and officials in the room together to have these talks. You know, Brock, uh, it's kind of interesting you mentioned that uh, when we go to the meetings, our off-season meetings where the officials are going and we're watching breaking down film and they're teaching us uh, mechanics and whatnot, the Big 12 has started sending coaches, and I'm not talking their uh, OCs or their DCs, head coaches, we're seeing them in the room learning what the officials are being taught, what the point of emphasis is, 
is for that season, what we're looking for, where we're looking. And it's awesome to get that dialogue between the coaches so we can understand what they're teaching their players specifically, because that helps us tremendously to know this is the way they teach those kids to play the game. And then for those kids or those coaches to hear us, this is the way we officiate the game. It puts us together and it makes the game a whole lot smoother, a whole lot cleaner and prevents a lot. I shouldn't say prevents. It enhances. We, we talked about everybody wants the game to be called the same, that consistency across the state. If we can, and I totally get the situation we're in, uh, Dana, Dusty, if we can pull off where we can do a big group uh, full of officials, coaches from around the state, put them in an environment where everybody's, you know, the social distancing three feet, I think is where we got to be, but we can all get together and uh, talk and be on the same page. That would go miles. I absolutely agree. And, you know, one of the things we've been trying to do from the official standpoint is really encourage our local groups to go out, you know, go out to practices like you were talking about earlier and, and take a look at the kids and do some education because a lot of times kids commit the same infraction over and over because they've never been coached not to or because they just don't know or maybe somebody's not explaining it to them in a way that they understand and it helps to build relationships when when officials go out to a, a football practice to talk to the team talk to the coaches and build that relationship that way when there's a game going on you already know each other and it's it's that interscholastic family that everybody is probably sick of hearing me talk about but you've got coaches players and officials we're all supposed to be working together for, for kids and you know those are the things that we need to try to do a better job with and you know Dusty and I'll definitely start or continue I guess to try to find ways to bring everybody together in those non I don't want to say adversarial, but there's no other word for it, but the non-game situations. Because once the, once the kickoff happens and things are going on on the field, it's a little difficult to have those friendly chats on the sidelines. So, um, you know, I think that that's a great point. If, uh, if there are no other questions, we'll go ahead and uh, adjourn. Uh, like I said, we try to keep these to an hour out of respect for everybody's time. But Abram, thank you so much for your insight. And Thanks for all the evaluations, and you're the only person I know who gets super excited when I send you game films, so I appreciate your enthusiasm when you do those evaluations for us. It's been a, a great value to our officials and to our office, and we really do appreciate it. Um, any, any closing thoughts, Abram, before we sign off? Uh, last thing before we sign off, thank you all for all the dedication and time that you put into this sport. We all love this sport. If I can help anybody at any level, at any region, please, you all have my information. Call me. Uh, those that have called me, they know I'm very accessible. I love talking football. I love breaking down film. I'm here for you guys. My, my sole goal as a uh, as an official that's made it to that next level is to give back. I want to train up the next level of officials. I want to make sure everybody, I want to make sure we're providing the best product we can for the field and I'll do whatever I can in my power to help you guys get there. So please, if you have anything, reach out, have a great season and please be safe. Thank you, Abram. We're all, we're all better because of stuff you do and because of people like you. So thanks for everything for that. And, Everybody who took some time this afternoon to be with us, thank you for your time and dedication to football officiating and, you know, success in your craft. So thank you to everybody. Have a great afternoon. Stay safe, stay healthy. 
And as one of our speakers said earlier this week, stay sanitized. And uh, we hope that everybody has a great, uh, great weekend. If you need anything, please holler. Thanks so much. Thank you, Abram. You're very welcome. Thank you, Abram.